Welcome to the Lost Tapes of History podcast. You're about to eavesdrop on the first 10 minutes of a private conversation between a Tudor personality and, frankly, someone just trying to do their job. The date is June 1533. Anne has just been crowned after marrying King Henry VIII. She meets with a political advisor to decide which campaign she will get behind as the new Queen of England. Ma'am? Yes? You wish to discuss your policies with me? Ah, yes. You're my political advisor then? At your service, ma'am. Can I say how much I am looking forward to working with you? You can. Oh, right. I'm looking forward to working with you. Hopefully over a long and industrious career as Queen. Well, let's see, shall we? Now, what exactly does a political advisor do? I mean, I think the name says it all, really. I'm here to advise you on politics. Explain. There will be issues and causes that you are passionate about as Queen. Might be healthier children, fighting the war against drugs, alcoholism. I'm not an alcoholic. Uh, I never said you were, ma'am. It's just a cause to lend your sympathy to. Ah, I see. Continue. Yes. So in order to implement change and that would benefit these causes, you need to argue your case to the king. Oh dear. Quite so. We need to draw up plans and policies and various other documents that we can present to him to help him understand what's important to you and why. Oh dear. Henry isn't the most sympathetic man in the world. I think that's an understatement, ma'am. I lent my copy of Tyndale's book, The Obedience of a Christian Man, to Lady Anne Gainsford once. Her fiancé, George, was caught reading it by the Dean, who passed the book to Wolsey. It was an illegal book. I I panicked. What did you do? Went to Henry, told him it was mine before Wolsey got to him. I told him that he might find it interesting. And that worked, did it? It appears so. You seem to have good rapport with Henry. That will certainly help. You just have to know how his mind works. Mind you, it wasn't always smooth sailing. Oh, really? Well, think about it. When Henry chatted me up, he was really insulting me. He was suggesting that I was only good enough to be a royal mistress. I nearly slapped him around the face. I'm glad you didn't. To be honest, there are only so many times you can refuse a man, let alone a king, without offending him or making him angry. Good point. I even removed myself from court for nearly a year. I thought he'd grow bored of me if I'm not under his nose for a while. Yeah, the trouble is, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yes. I realise now that that actually did the opposite of what it was supposed to. Plus, he was very good looking. Oh yes. Six foot two, strong, fit, healthy. He was a catch, even without being a king. Ah, so you did realise that you needed to catch him? I'm well aware of the rumours, you know. Oh. You are. Henry wanted to end his marriage with Catherine, with or without me as a replacement. What are you saying? I'm saying that someone was always going to be his second wife. True. And this allegation that I withheld sex from him. Ah. Henry could have sex with whoever he wanted. He certainly had done before I came along. He didn't have to wait for me. Another good point. And if I wasn't considered good enough for the son of an earl, why would I set my cap at a king? Ah, you mean Henry Percy. We loved each other, but I was told I wasn't good enough for him. 
What happened? He was married off to someone else. I was heartbroken. Perhaps it was revenge. That's ridiculous. Is it? Who would believe that Henry would annul his marriage, defy the Pope's authority, risk excommunication, change the religion of the entire country and start a war with Spain, all to divorce a princess and marry a commoner? Really? I mean, I wouldn't have put money on it, but that's what did happen. Remember the sweating sickness? Vaguely. When that showed up in London, he left me behind, took his wife away to the country instead. I got ill. I could have died. He's not exactly Mr. Romantic, you know. But you did accept his proposal. Because I wanted to make a difference in the world. And as a woman, I cannot do that in my own right. I had to forge an alliance and marry well. Well, you can tick that box then. It wasn't easy, you know. What with the Pope and everything. Ah, refusing to permit an annulment with Catherine. Well, he agreed to make it legal for Henry to marry her in the first place. Yes, he did. Now Henry was going back to him, saying, Can you say that you lied? That it wasn't lawful after all and you made a mistake? It's not likely, is it? I don't know the Pope personally, but... But it all worked out in the end, didn't it? Well, he made you Lady Marquess first, make sure he wasn't marrying a commoner, but sure. Actually, we married in secret. Only a few people knew and attended the ceremony. That must have made it cheaper. Not necessarily. And then the Pope found out. And excommunicated Henry. So technically it was Rome that broke with England, not the other way round. I didn't know that. Anyway, I fought for seven years to be Queen, and now I'm damned well going to be successful at it. Marvellous. There are a few key things I believe in. Great, fire away. Number one, championing the young and the poor. Excellent. Did they have to be both, or just one? Number two, placing evangelicals in high-profile religious roles around the country. Slightly trickier. And three, becoming a patron to a long list of reformists and bringing them to the inner circle at court to work directly with me. Again, can't you start with something like education? I would like to fund impoverished students at university. Great. As long as a chaplain vouches for them and says that they are good, smart people with an inclination to learn, I will support them financially. Very good. Like a student grant, then? Yes, if you like. We could call it the Berlin Education Grant Scheme. The BEGS. Do you have to reduce everything to an acronym? I'm afraid in politics, yes. It's all about buzzwords. What else? I would like to donate £80 every year directly to both Oxford and Cambridge universities. Okay, not sure they need it, but okay. And I would like to ask Henry to exempt both of them from this new clerical tax. Why? So that they can plough the money back into the education of their students. I'd ease him into that. He wants as much money as he can raise. I would also like to launch my own grammar school. We shall ensure the teaching positions are well paid and that free education is provided for students that cannot afford the fees. Like a scholarship? Yes. We shall set up ten scholarships that will offer grammar school students a further six years of education at university. Now, I also wish to appoint a lecturer to lead a Bible study group for four days a week. But that's unheard of! What do you mean? You don't study the Bible in English, only in Latin, and you certainly don't sit around questioning it. What do you get into the 16th century, please? The church isn't going to like it. Well, just put me in front of some whining Catholic priests and I'll give them a piece of my mind. 
Do you mind if I don't? I'd say, help others rather than enjoying the charity for yourselves. Right. Don't listen to preachers and then sit idle or keep busy in your cloister devoid of knowledge. Fair. You give no charity nor fund students, but there is hope that if you do, they will give back to their congregation and their country. They think you're trying to abolish the church. I fight for what I believe in, and that is change, not abolishment. Keep what works and improve what doesn't. Such as? I believe that religious houses that bring in less than £200 a year should be used for educational purposes and refuge for the poor. Cromwell wants the income. But they bring in so little in the grand scheme of things. Monasteries have always been for refuge for the sick and destitute. Yes, but... For orphan children, unsupported widows. It keeps them from resorting to crime in order to survive. Have you actually spoken to Cromwell about this? Not yet. I trust him, though. He organised my coronation and Elizabeth's christening. I appointed him my high steward. What does he do? Petitioners can approach me through him. Many are students seeking funds, but many are reformists whose lives are in danger. Yes, I wouldn't get too chummy with him. Or Thomas Cranmer. We have a strong bond. Let's go back to the poor people you mentioned. Yes, I'm against the deception and manipulation of the people. You'll never make it in politics with that attitude. <laughs> people in positions of privilege need to be generous to the poor. So you'll be leading by example? Absolutely. I always say you shall profit more in one day with good example than in a year with many lessons. And the shorter, pithier version? Be the example you wish to set. That's a great campaign slogan. Dr Butts, the King's physician, he tells me about people in need that I might be in a position to help. Such as? Canvas. You're making tents for the homeless? I have ordered large quantities of canvas from which myself and my ladies will make smocks and sheets for the poor. Your ladies? I like my ladies to make clothes for the needy personally. Why? To show them what a fortunate position they are in and to remember those with less. Sounds... uncomfortable. Also flannel material to make petticoats. Petticoats? I would distribute them to parishes I visit along the summer progress. You're going to hand out underwear on the campaign. I don't think that's quite the image we were going for. But my female petitioners are important to me. But... I would like to give money to widows so that they can buy livestock and create ongoing income and food supply. As if she doesn't have enough on her plate. Her husband's died and now she's got a load of cows to look after. Send my sub-almoners to the towns around my permanent residences. What for? Ask them to make lists of the families that are most in need, and then distribute the money accordingly. Shouldn't that be means-tested? I carry a small purse with me every day in order to donate money to people I come across in need. I mean, I'm a bit skint as it happens. I have been given multiple grants of land which provide me with an income from the taxes of those that live there. You want to put the rent up? I would like to give my income away to the poor. Are you sure, ma'am? I wish to become more involved with the taxation process generally. What do you mean? I believe we can use the mechanics of business to deliver more money to charity. Uh, again, you really do need to check in with Cromwell on this. The Royal Maundy Money Service. We need to increase the amount. But... Oh, and we need to get William Marshall in for a meeting. Who's William Marshall? He's a reformer to whom I am patron. And what does he want? To draft a poor law. What for? A similar scheme runs in Ypres. 
I want to petition the King to launch the scheme in England. But what is it? The key initiative is to take those that are out of work and give them jobs on community projects, such as repairing harbours or other building work. Sounds like unpaid work experience to me. We would also give the sick free medical care so that they are well enough to work. Is your middle name Bevan by any chance? And we shall use the money captured from the monasteries to fund it. Can I just say, Cromwell's going to kill you. Death threats mean nothing to me. Get a lot of them in politics. Trolls, that kind of thing. I got one drawn in a book of old prophecies. It was an image of me being beheaded. Ridiculous. And we've got ourselves a campaign logo. Next time, it's Margaret Tudor and the divorce lawyer. Put them on speed dial. The Lost Tapes of History podcast is a Synth79 production. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to get more episodes. To fact check what you've heard on this person, visit our website losttapesofhistory.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at Synth79P and use the hashtag Lost Tapes of History.